0: Today, I want to share a a new word that I've entitled, Focus on God. Focus on God. The title sounds like a bit of a cliche, but um, it isn't. Because how we live our lives and what we do, everybody had to focus on something. You could be focusing on your bank account. You could be focusing on your relationships that you have with your family and your friends. You could be focusing on your marriage for those who are married or your children for those who have children. Everybody has an element of a focus that we have when it comes to our lives. But I want to ask you this morning, how much of that focus when it comes to your day-to-day lives is actually really on God? I know we, we are all Christians. We have a relationship with him. But how much of your life would you say is really focused on God himself? You know, right now, I believe that the church is in a very delicate state for so many different reasons. There are many things happening within the body of Christ. There are many, um, I would say, political type issues that we are facing within the church Even the very definition of things that we knew to be a certain way are now changing. Worship, for example. If you say worship in the world, they will have a very different definition of what worship means. Marriage in the world has a very different definition to what the Bible says. And the world are now trying to push their definition of marriage into the church. So that we now receive and perceive marriage in a way that the world sees it. Which is not between man and woman, but between man and man, woman and woman, and who else knows what other definition that they're going to bring up. So the church is in a very delicate position. But see, Matthew 16, from verse 18, says this. It says, and I will say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail. This was the declaration that Jesus made when he asked Peter, who am I? And Peter's response was, you are Jesus, son of God. And upon that declaration, Jesus responded to him and said, you have spoken well. And I make this declaration at the gates and I will build upon this, I will build my, my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. See, The Lord made this declaration because he knows the power of the church. He understands exactly what the church is being ordained to do in this and in every season. But for some reason it seems as though that the gates of hell appear to be prevailing. That the works of darkness, the works of Satan, seem to be prevailing in whatever way. They seem to be, you know, making progress. That's how it feels. And my observation is that, to me, that there is a a sense of a lack when it comes to some of the things within the kingdom of God. And what do I mean by that? At times, there's a lack of faith that we have. There's a lack of a zeal and a passion for the things of God. There's a lack of right living. A lack of forgiveness, if I can say that. A lack of revival. And also there's a lack of the demonstration of God's power. All of these things that are lacking have an impact on the church really establishing itself in this day and age. You know, as as you study the Bible, you'll find so many Stories of signs and of wonders, of miracles, etc. And sometimes we read them, and it feels like it's a story about something that's happened many years ago, and it, there's no connection to it. You know when you read a story to your child, it's, it kind of feels like that sometimes, because the reality of that situation, it feels distant, because we're not seeing these things now, for whatever reason. They're happening in some places, but sometimes in our own lives, we're not seeing the power of God, the demonstration of God. One example in the book of First Kings, Elijah, I think it's in verse 17 or 18. The prophet Elijah had a situation with um, these false prophets of another god called Baal. He was arguing with them. They were trying to promote their god. Elijah was promoting his god. And then they decided, they said, listen, let's show which God has power. They brought a sacrifice. They brought um, uh, bread, not bread, they brought sticks, etc. And they said, okay, the God that burns this altar, this sacrifice, that's the God that we're going to serve. So Elijah said, okay, go ahead. You call your God and let the fire fire, come on onto the sacrifice. He waited, nothing happened. They called upon their God, nothing happened to the sacrifice. Elijah was even insulting him, saying, where's your God? Has he gone to the toilet? Is he, is he, is he, is he going to holiday somewhere? He was just playing with them. Then eventually Elijah said, okay, I'm going to call upon my God. He called upon God. Immediately he called upon him. Fire came down, consumed the whole sacrifice. And the Bible said that they then saw that and they immediately they began to worship Elijah's God. Now see, as I said, these are stories, but this is real life. And there's no reason why these things should not be happening in our lives today. The manifestation of God's power. But I believe in order for us to see these types of things, one of the main things that we need to do is to have razor sharp, complete focus on God Himself completely. You know, when we study God's Word, sometimes, well, not sometimes, every time, we need to recognize the context of His Word. And I really beg you, anytime you study God's Word, look at the background behind His Word. Try not just to read it, a certain section, and leave that by itself, but look at the background. Sometimes we quote scriptures. But we don't know the background behind them and the context in which they've been used. But it helps us again to give us a more of an understanding, and helps us when it comes to us focusing on God. Let me give you an example. The famous scripture in Second Corinthians thirteen five, which says, "Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith." Now, today, just read this. I'm going to be referring a lot today about. Focusing on ourselves as opposed to focusing on God. And I'm going to be comparing the two. Focusing on yourself, let me just quickly say this. You had this place. You had this place. We should focus on ourselves to some extent, but not at the cost of focusing on God. And I made that very clear. See, one of the dangers of self-focus is the influence of our flesh, our carnal nature, and our sinful nature. And what I mean by that is that at times your flesh can cause your self-focus to take hold of particular things and influence your decisions. If you focus on yourself at times, it can cause you to hold grudges because that's your focus. It can cause you to harbor unforgiveness or be resentful or have pride or have the wrong attitude. You know, there are many of us right now that are in a, in a certain position because our focus, where it should have been on God, has been on ourselves. It's so important. Even when I was preparing for this word, um, a few days ago I was in one of the rooms I was just preparing. and Lynette was in the same room, but she was listening to um, a word. I think Pastor Peter was was doing some kind of podcast and she was listening to Pastor Peter's word, and I was also trying to prepare for my word. And at the time she was listening, I was focusing on my word, but at the same time she was playing Pastor Peter's word. And I couldn't focus on my word because of what she was doing. So in the end I said, you know, I'm going to have to leave the room and go elsewhere. And as much as the word from Pastor Peter was good, it was encouraging, I couldn't get anything from it because I was trying to focus on what I was doing by sharing his word. And that is how it is when it comes to the things of God sometimes many of us we multitask we do many things at the same time and in this context it's good but see when it comes to God there's no such thing as multitasking you have to have complete focus on him you know remember the story of Mary and Martha one was at uh, Jesus' feet just ready to serve and to be in his presence But the other was out and about getting this serving, doing bits and pieces. And Jesus said, listen, no, 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 be at my feet so that you can focus, you can receive from me. And it's important that in all our busyness, that there's a deliberateness about us focusing on God when it comes to our our walk with him. Because if you don't take that focus and you don't grab hold of just having time with him and focusing on him, life will take over and you'll end up focusing on things that you don't need to focus on and end up making decisions that, will, that you will regret in the long run. So let me quickly distinguish between what I mean, self-focus and also self-examination. Again, let me give context. Self-focus really puts the onus on yourself as the fixer in any situation. The Bible also talks about self-examination. And that's the scripture that I mentioned before, to examine yourself to know that you're in the faith. Self-examination is almost like you're assessing yourself and how you are living. Now, As I said before, being self-focused as opposed to God-focused isn't bad in itself if it leads to spiritual growth through total reliance on God. So if you can focus on yourself in a way that leads you to be totally reliant on God, then that self-focus in that way is not a bad thing. But I'm separating pure focusing on yourself contrary to focusing on God. Very quickly, let me let me show you what the Bible says about self-focus. Again, using scriptures to bring context. 2 Corinthians 12, 21, scripture says this, it says, i paraphrase, it says, not repenting of impurity, of sexual sin, and debauchery in which they indulge. So the background behind the scripture is this, is that within the, um, the Corinth church, there was a man at the time that was living in sin, he was having an affair with his step, Mother, believe it or not and the bible says that nobody in the church was bothered by this man living in this particular way and through that the apostle paul gave this scripture and said that we need to examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith he said that because this man was doing something that was against god's word but nobody seemed to be bothered by it And that's where the scripture came from, where Paul said, you need to examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith or not. The second reference to self-examination or self-focus, again, is taken from what we know to be very famously used, the communion. We have communion this morning, we have communion every week. But the background to where the, where the scripture refers to to examining yourself as part of communion is taken from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, and the background was this: that when they had communion in those in those times, there were people that were taking communion, the wine, and they were getting drunk. So they were using the opportunity for communion to indulge in their own you know, consumption of wine and becoming drunk, etc. And through that, again, the Apostle Paul put the scripture and said that everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And see, with the scripture, Paul's not suggesting, again, that you become so fixed on your flaws or your, you know, things that you're not doing correct, but instead... Paul is referring to us having a total focus on God because Jesus himself paid our price, past, present, and future. This next scripture is really the key to this word today. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Read in the NIV version, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. See, if you fix your eyes on him, you're locked into him. You're not paying attention to anything else that's around you. That may be a distraction. Whatever God wants to do in you and through you, he would do it with no issues. But the key is that we are fixed, totally fixed on him. You know, I had this very interesting dream a few days ago. And the dream was this, was that I was on an airplane and other people were on a plane. And for some very strange reason, this person was told to leave the plane whilst the plane was in mid-flight. Now, the plane wasn't going to land, but the person was told they had to leave the plane whilst the plane was how many thousand miles in the air, which makes no sense. So the person obeyed, didn't argue, didn't say anything. They made their way to the exit. The plane door opened, Don't ask me about the dynamics, obviously, if the plane door opens and then how many miles up in the air, wind will go in. None of that happened, but anyway, it's a dream, so let me just... So the person left, walked out the plane, but as they walked out of the plane in mid-air, there was a, a ring that was just in the air, floating, but it was just circling. And then the person also grabbed, from nowhere, a pen and put the pen through the ring, but their focus was on the pen and the ring. And as they did that, the plane left them. And the person was just in the air, focused on this ring and on this, and on this uh, um, pen. But they remained in the air. Then in the dream I saw that they held onto something on their right hand side, which I don't know what it was, but that, whatever they were holding, was, was almost acting like a, like a lift. And it was slowly taking them down. So as they were just focused on the ring, and the pen in one hand, they had their hand holding whatever it was in the other hand. It was slowly taking them down, and in the dream, as though I was an observer, so I was watching what was happening. And I was thinking, this person is going to die. What's what's happening? But they were just slowly in midair, slowly going down, going down, till eventually, in in the dream, I was an observer. It's as though I went into the body of the person, and the next minute, I felt their feet touching the ground and they were on the ground again. So as they hit the ground, they just kind of shook themselves off and went about doing what they were doing. And again, it's a though I came out of the person and as an observer, I was thinking, how on earth could the person be in midair and come down to earth without a scratch, without any issue? But the key... To this dream was that the person was focused on the ring and on the pen. So I prayed I the Lord, "What is what? What is this dream saying?" And He said to me that the ring could it represent? It was almost like a wedding ring, and it was representing God's covenant, God's promise that He has for us, and His promise for us. And the pen that the person was holding, that represented God's written word. And that the person focused on those things, the promises of God in his written word was the focus. And it was the that was the reason why the person didn't even they weren't even concerned about the the fact that they were a million miles in the air. They weren't looking at the fact that if they stepped out of that plane they would die. But they were focused on God in the, in the representation of the ring, which was his promises and his covenant and the, the pen or the pencil that was his written word. And with that dream, I want to say that it's so important that we are fixated and focused razor sharp on the things of God. You see, when things around us happen, you think of that situation naturally. If somebody told you to leave a plane in midair, well, are you going to be, you're looking and thinking, are you mad? Leave which plane? You need to land the plane first before I can leave. But the person didn't even argue when they were told to leave the plane because their focus was on that representation. The ring, the promise of God, the pen or the pencil, God's written word and his promises, that was their focus. So they didn't even argue. They just left the plane midair. And even when they left the plane, it's like, okay, how am I going to get down? But their focus was on the promise of God and his word. And as they focused on that, God slowly took them from a thousand plus miles in the air down to the ground. This is what God does. When we focus on Him, we're not looking at our circumstances. We're not looking around to see how this is going to work. This is impossible. This is, I'm going to die. I'm not going to live. What is going to happen? But the person was focused on the promises of God and the word of God. So my prayer with that dream is that in the same way, whatever is happening with us, because there are so many things right now in our lives that are taking place. If you focus on those things, those things will deal with you in whatever way that the enemy wants them to. They will. not Because your focus is on those things. But I want to encourage you. Just like this person. Focus on the word of God. On the promises of God. The Bible says that you can do all things. Through Christ. That gives you strength. All things. So your focus should be on him. And his word. Anything contrary to that. Don't even give that a time of day. So growth and joy and victory, all those things lie in abandoning an unhealthy focus on yourself, but yet staying focused on God. It's so important. So we're looking at self-focus against God-focus. You know, having an unhealthy self-focus can actually cost you your life. Your life could be at risk. You know, remember the story in um, the book of Acts of um, a married couple called Ananias and Sapphira. It's a very interesting story about how having an unhealthy self-focus can cost you your life. This is a married couple that were part of the church in the book of Acts. The Bible says that at that time, the church was so united and one that people were selling their assets, their own assets. They would sell them to whoever. And the proceeds from that sale, they would bring it to the church and give the church the money. This was a norm within the church, the Bible says. And this married couple, Ananias and Sapphira, they did the same thing, but with a difference. They had a discussion amongst themselves, and they said that, okay, we will sell our house, but let's put aside some, some of that money for ourselves, and then we'll give the rest to the church. Now, naturally, you would think, what's wrong with that? It's your house. You sold your house. You put some money aside. You give the rest to the church. Not a problem. But because of the unity that was taking place in that church, they decided to do something outside of what was a representation of God's unity. And within themselves, because they were focusing on themselves, they thought it's okay. Let's do that. So the Bible says that Ananias went to the church. He presented the money. And when the money came, I think it was Peter, saw the money. And the Spirit of God prompted Peter to say, this isn't the whole money that you received from the cell. So he said, Ananias, is this all the money that you gave when you sold the house? And the Bible said, Ananias said, yeah, that's the whole money. And the Spirit of God said to, said to Peter, how can you do such a thing? This is the house of God, God's house, and you're lying in God's house. He said, well, because of what you've done, see these young people outside, they're going to come and take your body and bury you. The Bible says immediately the young people came into the house, and Ananias died straight, dropped dead straight. And they took his body and they buried his body. Then not long later, the Bible says that his wife came, not knowing what had happened to her husband. And Peter came, saw his wife, and asked her the same question. He said, um, you guys sold your house, didn't you? She said, Yes. He said, um, the money that you guys gave, is that all the money? The woman said, the same answer. He said, yeah, that's all the money. The Bible says, Peter said, those people that came and just buried, your husband just gave the same story and they buried him. So those same people are going to come and bury you. Bible said immediately she dropped dead and they buried her. When we focus on ourselves. As opposed to focusing on the things of God. The extreme is that you can use, your own life could be lost. And that's the example that in in that story. And it's so important that when it comes to our, how we live our lives, that our focus is totally on him. No one's saying that you should, you know, this is a, quite an extreme example. But it was because of the representation of how the spirit of God was moving within the church at the time. Everybody was united. Everybody was united. But when you decide to do something based on how you feel that it should be done. And you focus on your own thing, which is contrary to what God is saying you should do, there are going to be consequences. And my prayer is that I'm speaking to you right now, that God is speaking to you about things in your life where there has been a focus on yourself as opposed to being a focus on God. That you will now begin to change your mindset, change your attitude and begin to focus on him concerning your life. Mark 13, I'm gonna quickly read the scripture and I want to pray. Mark chapter 13, reading from verse 34 to 37. In the New King James, I'll just paraphrase some of it a kind of times. It says, A man going to a far country left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. To watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowning of the rooster, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Now see, what Jesus was teaching here was the exact opposite of self-focus. The doorkeeper wasn't to watch for himself. That wasn't the case. But the doorkeeper was to watch for his returning master. And that is a representation of Jesus, because we know that one day that Jesus is going to come in the clouds and return to take his children home with him. Jesus expects us to be watchful of him, to watch the master as he returns. He said, "Blessed are those whose servants. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will be found will find, watching." You know, we know our vision for the church is that we is to be ready for the Lord's return. But we need to be alert and to be watching for signs around us demonstrating God's return. God of time, I want us to pray. said many things, contrasting our self-focus as opposed to our God-focus. The first thing I want us to do, or for you to do, is to speak to the Lord and ask him to forgive you, where you know areas of your life have been focused on yourself, focused on your circumstances, rather than focused on God. Just bring that area before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. And ask him That the Lord will give you a deliberate change of mind to be focused on him. So in your own way right now, just begin to pray and speak to him. Those online, do the same. Just begin to pray. Any area of your life where you know that there's been a focus on yourself, a focus on your circumstances, a focus on things around you, In opposition to focusing on God. Bring those things before Him. Father, we bring ourselves before you this morning. You hear the hearts of your children who are here. Father, we ask for your forgiveness. Where we have focused on other things, where we have focused on our circumstances, we are focused on ourselves, on our feelings emotions and we have done so in a way where he we have it's been opposite or contrary to focusing on you lord have mercy on us we ask for your forgiveness father we are asking you that you will help us to have a heart that is totally focused on you completely fixed on you oh god Renew us in our minds. Let there be a change of focus. And help us to be totally focused on you. Father, we take on board your word in Hebrews twelve two, Fixing our eyes on you, Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. Or the number of verses said the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, we choose to fix our eyes on you. So, Lord, help us, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.